listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the show. We've got an exciting treat for us today. We've got a career veteran in professional B2B sales, Glenn Poulos, with us today. If you're in professional services, if you're in B2B sales, this is going to be very helpful for you, especially when you're giving pitches to clients to sell work. Glenn is the author of Never Sit in the Lobby, 57 Winning Sales Factors to Grow a Business and Build a Career Selling. I'd highly recommend this book. You can go to Amazon and find it, and you'll see 27 five-star reviews on his book. Uh, We put that link on the show notes. And I think that you're going to get some great wisdom from Glenn. He's a practical person with real-life examples that can help you sell more and win business with your clients. As always, this podcast is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, Legal Intelligence suite of products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. And now here's my conversation with Glenn Poulos. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Scott Love with the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Glenn Poulos, and our topic title is How to Get, Act, and Stay in Front of Clients, and to be a pleasure to do business with always. Glenn, thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. Now, I like the fact that you have real-world B2B sales experience. You're selling sophisticated service to a sophisticated prospect. And tell me about this. You've been in sales for a while. Let's talk first about your book, Never Sit in the Lobby. What motivated you to write that? Yeah, so I joined sales in 85. I was a failed government uh, civil servant. I was kicked out of the government by my boss, told me I was working too hard and making people look bad. So he said, you should go sell stuff. And so I took him on his word and I went and uh, I went and, uh, got a job in sales. And that was like 85. And, you know, I started looking for mentors and I uh, started writing down little rules and tips and tricks that they would say or do or not uh-huh. do or uh, things to avoid. And I made a little book, a leather bound book, actually, that I had. And I've had it uh, kept it all these years and it had all these rules. Right. And I started sharing them. And and then and oftentimes I try to tell them in funny ways. Right. So people will remember the rules and people are like, oh, my God, you should come and tell us about this. And and then people are like, oh, you should write a book. Right. And I never did it until I never wrote the book <laughs> until the pandemic when I was locked up. for Right. You know, right. In Canada, we were really <laughs> locked up uh, tight as a drum. Right. For almost a year. Right. And uh so on evenings and weekends, I wrote the book and uh, published it in February of 2022. And just just a little sidebar, the same week that the book was published on Amazon and other places, I sold my business. It's the second business I've sold, two 15-year businesses. And the same week, I had to close on the business sale. And uh, it was quite a week. It was, uh, yeah, a lot going on in February of 2022. And, that's uh, great. Just, yeah, that's the you know, story. I love the fact that you have put that in 57 rules in the book. And let me kind of start with some of those. Out of all those rules that you have, what do you think are some of the ones that can impact somebody that's trying to get business the most? So the way I wrote it was so that you could pick it up at any time and it didn't matter where you started. You could just grab a rule, put it down and grab, flip to another page later, another day, another week and grab another rule. You don't have to read it front to back. And I mean, and there, I mean, of course, I guess the rules are all important, but of course, the most important rule would be the uh, 
the title of the book, Never Sit in the Lobby. Yeah, right. And, and what do you mean by that exactly? When you say never yeah. sit in the lobby, what does that mean? Yeah. And so, and the one thing I really like about your podcast is this B2B sales, you know, your your uh, listeners and what have you is that because a lot of what I do is really how to get in front of the customers, how to act there and how to stay there, right? Like you said mm-hmm. at the beginning, and and you always want to be a pleasure, right? And um, regardless of the outcome, right? So Because you want to get invited back. Yeah. So, you know, my rules really apply to people that are making sales calls, visiting customers and closing deals in front of uh, high ticket items in front of clients. That, right, right. That's right. really the target audience for me, right? So the Never Sit in the Lobby was, I learned early on that, you know, if, I sat down in the lobby, I would get distracted, right? And and I would usually get on my phone and I'd have my head down and you get into flipping and texting and, you know, other sort of things. And, you know, maybe I'll make a quick call and this and that. And also I'm not very tall, right? I'm only like five foot six. So, um, <laughs> so these tall, huge guys would come into the lobby towering over me and they would, you know, startle me because I wasn't paying attention. And they're like, are you Glenn? And I look up and, you know, four feet up. <laughs> He's this towering guy, right? I got to like rise up to him and only to be greeted. And I realize it's not a great look, right? It's just, so when I get to the lobby, I don't sit down. I don't play on my phone. I don't stare at awards on their walls. I don't read their magazines. And I don't make phone calls. I don't text my wife and I'm not on social media. Okay. I'm, okay. And, and so I don't show up really early because I don't want to be standing there for looking stupid. Yeah. And so, you know, so that's one of the rules. And like, everyone's like, well, it's, you know, Early is on time, on time is late, you know, so what about that? How do you reconcile that? I'm like, well, I am always early, but I'm always practicing a different rule while I'm not set, while I'm not in the lobby because I only want to be there for a couple of minutes waiting for the customer to show up. So what am I doing the rest of the time? I'm in the car practicing some of the other rules like the call book factor, never forget a face. And these are routines that I run at every client to help me to be a pleasure to do business with always. And so, for instance, never forget a face. I flip out my phone in the car, waiting for the appointed hour to come up, right? For my meeting. Okay. okay. And I'll go to the client, the CRM, and I'll say, okay, how many people have I called on in this customer? Oh, there's six people. You know, there's Jack, Sally, Bob, George, right? Okay, what does Sally look like again? And I re-remember their faces, right? This is great. We've all been, believe me, we've all been places where the guy says, hey, Scott, how's it going? And you're like, you know, you know his name. <laughs> and it's buried back here behind your ear somewhere. And you're trying yeah. to get it to the front and you can't get it there in time. And the guy's already gone by. And then a minute later, you're like, oh, my God, that was Bob from the kid's soccer game. I can't believe I did. You know, whatever, whatever, wherever you knew them from. But the moment's lost. Right. And actually, the moment is lost in a microsecond. Right. And so if you when Sally walks by you. When you're, you're, you know, you're meeting other, another guy and when you bump into her in the lobby, I mean, and she says, hey, Glenn, she knows in a nanosecond if you remember her name, because if you remember it, it comes straight out. And if it doesn't, then basically what happens is she sees that you don't remember her name. And so I re-remember them outside while I'm waiting for the appointed hour so I don't have to stand in the lobby for a long length of time. So everything, and, everything you're telling me. I get the image that you're a professional athlete. You're a high-performing professional athlete in the game of sales. What do you think? You think that's an accurate description of how you're? I would, I, yeah, that's no one's ever no one's ever confused me for an athlete, <laughs> but I'll take it today. For yeah, sure. that's yeah. right. That's right. And, and I, have, I have a 
a burgeoning uh, pickleball player, which is a, uh, but uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Athlete sales, I'll, I'll definitely take that. I've uh, been practicing that sport for a long time. That's right. I mean, it's right before you're in the game. The other team's getting ready to come on the field. You want to be ready for that. And you're not yeah. taking this time. You're not wasting it, daydreaming yeah. about other things, thinking yeah. about other things. I mean, I really appreciate and respect that level of professionalism. What have you seen are some pitfalls from people in sales? Because I like, you know, how to get, act, and stay in front of clients and be a pleasure to do business with always. What, what do you think out of those areas, what are some of the biggest pitfalls people need to watch out for? So the, the one is like a lack of, a lack of um, practicing things like empathy, sympathy, and compassion in the right moments and building, establishing true rapport with the client. And they, they, what they try to do is sort of a fake, what do you call it, elevated uh, behavior like they uh, have rapport with you, but it's a fake and it's really transparent. Yeah. Like you like fish, right? I like fish, you know. You yeah, as a matter of like- fact, there's a great story in my book about fish and now I made a categorical mistake with a client over fish. Tell me about that. And so the title of the chapter is called Implied Familiarity Also Breeds Contempt, right? And so I don't know if you've ever heard the story, the saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Right. But it's kind of like when, you know, you're driving in a car with some people for like, you know, 24 hours driving across the states or whatever. And, you know, you're fine in New York, but by the time you get to the Grand Canyon, you want to kill each other, right? (laughs) Because you've been hyper familiarized, right? And of course, you make up later, but, you know, I I, I made up this thing called implied familiarity breeds contempt as well, where you're pretending that you're familiar with them. And so the problem was the guy had a photo behind his desk up on the credenza, kind of like I do here. And it was him and another dude holding fish, right? And I started in with this like nonsense and it was non-genuine, disingenuous, sort of uh, blathering on about, oh, fishing, you know, whatever, I have a boat up north and we should go fishing and, you know, blah, 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 (laughs) this and that. And the guy turns around, he looks at the photo, he goes, oh my God, Glenn, he says, he goes, that is my ex-father-in-law. I'm divorced from that, <laughs> from that woman. Worst, you know, that was the worst thing experience of my life was going through that divorce. And you know what? I don't even like that guy. I didn't, I hated that guy. She just made me go fishing with him. And as a matter of fact, I hate fishing too, right? Grabs the photo, throws in the garbage, right? <laughs> and imagine the state that I brought him from sort of equilibrium, you know, just sort of like uh 50-50, you know, state to a highly negatively state. Because I was implying that I knew him, right? Yeah. And I should have been using other techniques of rapport to offer a genuine inquiry about things like fishing and what have you, right? Like, what's the story behind that photo on your credenza, right? So so is that a technique of rapport by by asking? Yeah, it is. I mean, you should always be asking questions. You know, I love saying God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you do the math, right? And, um, you know, you should always be listening twice as much as you're talking and you know there's a long section in the book about active listening right and there's exercises in there on how you can practice active listening oh, good, with, your, good. with your family members and it's quite fun and so but through a series of genuine question and asking at the appropriate times you can establish a genuine rapport with someone which you can then later you know use appropriately for, you know, for more rapport building, right? Like you don't call the CEO and ask them out for lunch. You know what I mean? Like right. that just, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, that's you right. I mean? That's right. I like that. But, but if you're a senior person and you've established some business to business and it's appropriate for you both to spend the time, then that, then you would invite the guy out, that person out for lunch and it would, it would be appropriate, right? 
Yeah, that's right. And people are kind of jumping through the requisite periods of getting to know you and being genuine, right? And, so, uh, so let me ask yeah. you this then, and it's almost like there's this dilemma where we need to build trust, we need to build rapport, but we also want to make sure that they see that we have value, that we can solve a problem, that we've earned the right to right. build that relationship. I mean, they don't want to give us a relationship until they know that we're the one that can deliver, we're the one that can solve yes. the problem. How do we kind of get to that spot where we can show them that we have a solution and we've earned the right to build trust with them? Right. So, yeah, I mean, usually they're uh, buying something like a, I'm selling high ticket items, right? Which I think is very common to your to your listeners as well. A lot of them are doing the same thing. And so theoretically, I mean, if you're in their circle, you're, they probably have some reasonable prospect of having of wanting to buy that thing, right? right? Like, let's right. say they're buying $100,000 tow motors for the warehouse, right? And they need to buy six new tow motors for the new expansion of the warehouse. And, you know, at some point, you know, you're going to want to present those products to them, right? So, you know, obviously you're not going to try to sell tow motors to people that run sewing machines, right? I mean, so assuming that the, that there's actually, actually a, you know, a possibility for you to sell your products to the, cu- the customer, at some point you have to make a presentation, right? So for the presentation part, which is, I think maybe what you're, what you're alluding to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a, a, like a, again, another riff sort of the, the way I handle it it's called the punch, perfect pitch and close, right? And that's how I do a presentation to a client to engage them and not bore the crap out of them, if I can say that. Yeah, right. And at the end, to test them uh, at the closing stage to see if I was successful. And so the punch is where you basically get the opportunity to present your product. A lot of people, what they do is they come in and they fire up PowerPoint, connect to the projector, and the first thing they show you is a picture of their factory in Guangzhou or in Ireland. And, you know, we've got 12,000 people. And we've got 400 R&D engineers. And I'm, I'm first slide, I'm already asleep, right? Like, yeah, right, who right. Cares? Nobody cares, right? I actually call, I actually say you got to punch the client at the very first step. At the So basically what you're doing, you got three or four people. Theoretically, they need to be the right people. If they're not the right people, don't invite them, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And you punch them. What you do is you make either a sound, you make you play a song, you show them a video, you create some sort of an environment where you're changing their state to bring them into the forefront of what you're t- going to talk Interesting. about. Interesting. Interesting. And so, okay. So, so let me, again, go ahead. Let, let me ask you this. Question. What are some examples where you've punched them? What have you done in the past and some of your sales presentations? So a lot of the stuff we're selling is instruments that perform functions, right? Mm-hmm. And so these are either measuring instruments or uh, instruments that change the state of products in one, in one shape or, or another. And so what I will do is I will research in my mind or and through the company, like, why are they interested in the particular product of the moment? And what I'll do is I'll, I'll try to show them the, the product operating in an environment where it's producing the results I know they want. Mm-hmm. With a series of music and over and sort of a text over or sorry a vocal overlay, you know, showing them that the re- the final result I know they want right, which yeah, is basically yeah. you know it, again I love talking about tone motors. I don't sell tone motors, but they're expensive and people a lot of companies need them right. So imagine you know, you show them a tone motor going down the, a hyper narrow aisle, getting up far, higher than any other tone motor, twisting faster than any other tone motor can do, moving, bending, or whatever, or maybe it's a packaging system where it's packaging and and weighing and tying and banding and skidding all in once, you know, and basically and through a visual showing them how your system works, right? 
and say, I'd like to introduce you, you know, to our new high flex battery operated, you know, eco-friendly tow motors with the longest reach and the tightest turning radius on the market. And it's that kind of a thing, right? And make it short and sweet and say, now I'd like to get into my presentation. And then I, what I do is I use the Goldilocks principle at that point, Okay, right? which is I do everything. One of the chapters in the books, the power of three, right? Good, better, best, hot, mild, medium, hot. You know, it's not, you know, small, medium, large, extra large, double XL, you know, like, again, you're, they're asleep at this point. Everything is in threes. So you package your presentation in a series of three things. You tell them what you're going to tell them, you tell them, and you tell them what you told them. You tell them three things, three things about the product. You have to focus what you know their needs are into this, right? You've, of course, already spoken to the stakeholders to figure out what they want. You're at the presentation. You're not asking questions. Yeah. Because you asked me about how do I show them. Yep, that's right. Right? I'm at the showing stage right now, right? So I show them the three things. I recap it. And at the end, I know that I've done a good job when I get to the close. And my actions are absolutely zero and I don't have to do anything. And the customer's like, well, wh- what do we do to get to the next step? Or how much is That's it? That's great. That's Tell great. me how much it is, Glenn. I want to know, right? At that point, if they are not asking those things, I know I messed up the punch or the perfect pitch, right? Right. That makes a lot of sense. I like that a lot. That's a good, that's a good model that you shared with us, Glenn. Yeah. Let me ask you this in terms of always being a pleasure to do business with. Yeah. What do you think are some of the danger areas or the areas that you've seen people in B2B sales or rainmakers make in that area? What are some of the pitfalls in that area about not being a pleasure to do business with? Right. So when you're losing, being unpleasant, right? Yeah. I can say that, right? That's really tough, right? Like losing's not easy. But I have a series of rules I follow where, like, for instance, I'd rather be last then second, right? Yeah, Again, it's, right. it's another one of my rules, right? When and so what's second? Well, second is the first loser, right? And right. so, and how much energy did he expend? Almost the same amount as the winner. Yeah, right? interesting. The right, guy right. in last place, he left early. He yeah. realized, hey, they're not going for battery powered tow motors, you know, with a tight turning radius. They want low-cost propane units with a normal reach and a, you know, and they want an econo platform and whatever. That's not me. So what I do is I recuse myself from the situation the moment I realize graciously as a pleasure, I graciously remove myself from that sales process and go and find the next client that is looking for battery powered systems or eco-friendly this or, you know, high speed packaging systems or precision instruments or electro photon microscopes or something, whatever, you know, and while the guy's backs are turned to me selling to this guy that's appropriate to them, I'm finding someone appropriate to me. And so I, I think, can leave yeah, graciously yeah. without being told at the end, you're too expensive and blah, 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 and this and that. And, and I do everything with the intention of being called back the next time yeah. to sell to them, right? That's great. And I think there's a couple of lessons in this area when you talk about this. Number one, you know exactly what your value proposition is. Number yeah. two, you know exactly who is your ideal prospect. Are they truly qualified? And number three, you're you're selfish with your time. You're only going right. to spend it in areas that have a high likelihood of giving you right. a return. I think yeah. that's great. So tell me about the book in terms of where can people find it and what are some of the offerings that you have that you'd like for our guests to know about, Glenn? 
So the book is available where all books are sold. And I mean, you can link to it from my website. Yeah. Yeah.com And all we'll put, we'll put that on the Amazon, all that's there. We'll put that and, on the show notes. Yeah. And all the different formats. And I'd love for people to, you know, to uh, get the book. And I mean, I'm just out spreading the word about the book. And, uh, you know, I've been, uh, you know, a few, a few of the people have uh, invited me into their businesses for some advice and stuff, but. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not something that I'm, um, I'm looking for a lot, large number of clients or whatever. I actually, right. as I love to say, I have a day job too. And yeah, right. I'm still out making sales calls every day, but I love to share the message with, uh, with clients and like-minded businesses that are building a sales force and a company, uh, around the similar value set that I'm purporting. Right. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. And we're, we're going to put that link on the show notes. So everybody that's listening, you can go directly to wherever you hear this podcast and look for the show notes and you'll be able to order Glenn's book directly. And I'd highly recommend that. And then Glenn, as we kind of bring things to a close, if we could summarize some of your concepts into three action steps that people can start today to really implement your ideas, what would those three action steps be? Well, of course, the first one, <laughs> Not trying to be a smart ass would be to get the book, right? Read it, right? That would be smart. But um, two is, you know, take action and get in front of customers. And one of my prime rules is always show up with something in your hand and something in your mind, right? Don't show up empty handed and don't show up empty minded, right? right? You want to know what you're talking about and you want to have something to hand to them as a uh, gesture and a token. It could be a promo item or the quote or literature or anything that you've got, but always show up with something in your hand. That's great. Right? That's so, a great idea. Um, and something to talk about, right? And then the the third thing would be to realize my golden rule that you only get forever to make another impression. And so for people that are building, you know, a business or where they're trying to, you know, build their way up in their career, remember that, you know, your mom told you make a good first impression. And that is true. But you have to treat every impression with your clients and your bosses and people in your business as the first one every time. And that's really how you get ahead in life and business. And so that's my- I love that. Yeah. Treat every impression as if it's your first impression. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing the wisdom, Glenn. I'd highly recommend your book. And we're going to put that out there as much as we can in social media, because I really think people can benefit by reading your book. Thanks for being a guest on the show. And I'd love to have you back on here in the future, Glenn. Thanks, Scott. It's great being here. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.